Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Turn to 1 Samuel 17 this morning. 1 Samuel 17. We're going to continue with our school of hard knocks, which is basically a view to a certain degree of the life of David. Amen. Uh, Bishop and I and Alex went to Brother Rigsby's on Friday night. It was part of a good service there. Brother Wilson did a tremendous job preaching. And uh, while sitting in service, I felt compelled, uh, Brother Basmaji was there, and I felt compelled that I needed to have him come preach, and so he's going to be here tonight preaching the word of the Lord. And so Brother Basmaji will be here ministering, amen, and we join, amen, in the word of the Lord with him as he comes here this evening. First Samuel chapter number 17, and we'll begin reading with verse number 38, verse number 38. The Bible says, and Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Amen. I'm going to continue this morning concerning the school of hard knocks. Amen. I ask you just help me pray here today that the Lord would touch us in the next few moments. Father, God, I come to you today. Lord, we're so grateful, Lord, for your goodness, your mercy that you bestow, Lord Jesus, so faithfully upon our lives. I pray, oh God, that you're able to help us, Lord, in this service this morning. God, let someone's life, Lord, be ministered to and touched, Lord, by the word of God, your spirit. I pray, oh God, it's able to find, Lord Jesus, a place of lodging and security, Father, in our lives. God, I pray, Lord, speak, Lord Jesus, God, to people's hearts. God, will love you and will appreciate you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. You'll allow me to today just kind of overlap with where we left off uh, last week. I would like to do that. Where we left off last week, we come to terms in a very biological type of sense to understand that you are uniquely you. I know that... uh, Sometimes in a snide type way, snide comment, we say about maybe perhaps one said, I'll tell you what, there's not another one like them. That's come out your mouth with the truth of the fact is there's not another one like you either. Uh, We we say that whenever someone seems to be just really outlandish in our estimation. But uh, how they may seem to us, we might seem that same way to somebody else. Amen. So there's not another like you. Again, those 23 chromosomes you get from your mama and from your daddy uh, into your life, making you uh, that one in 100 trillion, if you will, 
uh, of probability to you to be like you are. You, you are incalculably you. You are who you are. And, and I think what we're trying to get at through, through these lessons is understanding that there's not another like me and that's okay. And that uh, some of those things that we would even uh, discredit ourselves over can actually be great, great, uh, as Sister McGee so aptly said today, stepping stones. Of course, I know that was used in a different way, but stepping stones uh, for us in our life. And so there's no one else that can be you, nobody else that can truly take your place in this fabric of humanity. You are, you're special. And what we've seen in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17 was that David, at this particular juncture in his life, was embracing a certain aspect of himself that was different than uh, a large majority of the other common men. He had been told by his father to take uh, some bread and take some cheese to go check on his brothers. Uh, that, was, that was in warfare with the Philistines. And uh, in order to do so, he went. He seen that there was a battle that was set in array. He asked the famous question of whether or not there was a cause and what was to be done for the man who would go out and fight against Goliath. This is a very popular story in 1 Samuel 17. And whenever he had made choice that he would do this thing and, and even went to tell Saul, who was king at that time, that he would do this thing, Saul, seeing David, starts to uh, provide for him his sword, his coat of mail, his armor, all these different things to put up on David. He's girding it all about him. And David, David had a critical choice right there that I can go with something that I'm not accustomed to. I can go with something that's not my own. This is another man's armor. This is another man's armor. I can go with something that's not my own or I can be confident in what I know that I am and what I have contended with. Because by and large, David's years prior to, to this moment spent in the pasture looking over the sheep uh, whenever the lion or the bear that he tells us about came against him, he didn't ward them off with a spear. He didn't ward them off with a sword. But he warded those very things off with the things that were a mere image of who he was, a shepherd, just a sling stone and stones and a little shepherd's bag and a staff is how he became very victorious in those moments. And so David tells Saul that I, I can't go with these. You know what he was really saying in that moment with Saul's armor on him? And imagine, you, you got to realize David is still yet a very young man. Still very yet a young man at this time. Saul, uh, much, much older than he is, is a very young man. Can you imagine how Saul's armor looked on David? I mean, it would be like some of us borrowing each other's clothes, you know? It'd be like, I know this is kind of exaggeration, but it'd be like me taking my jacket this morning, wrapping it around Lucas's shoulders. saying, there you go, buddy. You know, in a certain instance, that's the way this armor would have been, you know, for David. And whenever David said, I cannot go with these, there is, there is a very, very distinct line of truth there. What David was saying is, this isn't me. This isn't me. And so I'm, I'm not proving them. This has not been a part of my life. I know they've been a part of you. And they may work well for you, and, and, and you, you might be able to do very well with these. But if I am going to try to take what is yours and seemingly you and do that, I'm not going to have the same success as you would have with your armor. Amen. And so he says, since I wouldn't be as successful with your armor, I'm going to go with what's me. Amen. 
I know sometimes, uh, and it is to a certain degree a growing process, a maturing process in life. Uh, we think that if we would be dealt, dealt a different hand, that it, some things would have turned out differently or better for us than what, what they did. And sometimes people even aspire. That's the reason why people have this, this hero complex today. They need a hero in their life that they can emulate after, right? Uh, you see them dressing like them, try to talk like them. And what it really comes down to is an identity crisis that people are not comfortable with who they are. And they think that if they can just have what that person has, whether it's a tire, money, or, or whatever, if they can just have what they have or emulate what they are, then they will, through their eyes, by perception, attain the same success that they've got. But the reality of the story is this. It's not going to be successful until you just learn how to adapt and be who you are in God. Amen. Who you, who you are in God. And so he said, no, I'm going to take my stones. I'm going to take my sling, my shepherd's bag. And the Bible says he drew nigh unto the Philistine. Amen. Because David understood, I cannot be like Saul. I cannot even dress or put on Saul's armor because it don't fit appropriately. And I can't fight. Listen, I can't fight the enemy like Saul. Saul and most of the other people underneath his command uh, were people that learned to fight just like the Philistines learned to fight, which was hand-to-hand -hand combat, sword and shield type of combat. And so that's the way that many of them, and it might have been a good majority of them. And so here's where the majority could have looked at David and said, tell you what, there's not another like him. But what they needed in this battle, in this moment, was not just another individual that knew how to do hand-to-hand -hand combat. By and large, if David had entered into the battle just like all these other men knew how to enter into battle, I don't know if the outcome would have been like the outcome was, and that was victory for the Israelites. But because David was a shepherd and his tools was stones and was a sling, he could fight against the giant of the Philistines at a distance release a stone, find its lodging place in, in Goliath's forehead, and he go down to the ground and be victorious in this episode because the very thing that he may at times thought was his disadvantage and others have thought, well, that's just David, was the very thing that God used for victory in this particular episode. You know, this morning, who knows? And we may never know on this side of heaven, but who knows some of the things that are in your lives that you discredit about yourself, that God says, if you would just place that in my hands, if you would just have confidence enough in who you are and place that in my hands, I'll show you what I can do with what you think is a disadvantage in your own life. Amen. Rather than trying to aspire to be like, Somebody else, because we perceive that they're successful in a certain way, God says, I can make you successful as you are if you just surrender what you have, right? So oh, it's not much, though, God. No, 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 no. Just surrender what you have unto the Lord. 
I would dare to say it would pose greater danger for David had he went with Saul's armor and tried to fight that type of battle like that. But instead, he chose to be himself. And so that's a little bit of last week. Also, last week, and I brought in this idea, there was a doctor, Alfred Adler, and he, he spoke about compensation. That whenever we believe that we have disadvantages in our life, what it does is oftentimes... It oftentimes causes us to compensate and have some real strengths that come about in our life. I told you about how Mozart and Beethoven, some of those great composers, had deficiencies in their hearing and their ears. Yet you listen uh, to some of this classical music today and we are just enthralled. And people play it on the piano and we're like, what in the world? It's like we don't have that like that anymore. But they were people that had uh, deficiencies in hearing but being able to compensate. They came forth as very great. Uh, musicians and composers and, and, and so on and so forth. And so that, that was something, a disadvantage that they used to their, 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 their favor by compensating for it. And we've seen some of that even take place within uh, the life of the Apostle Paul as well. I, I want to, though, introduce you today. Some of you may know this individual, seen him. He's got a lot of, uh, a, 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 a lot of a fanfare over the years. His name is Nick Vujicic. Uh, he's known as the man without any arms or any legs. Uh, some of you may know who I'm talking about. But uh, Nick Vujicic is perhaps an individual that used some of his disabilities and disadvantages and has compensated for them in a very positive way. He was born in 1982 in Brisbane, Australia. And Nicholas came into the world without any arms and without any legs. He was the limbless son uh, this limbless son was, was not what his mother, who was a nurse, uh, was, was really expecting. Her husband, who was a pastor, had not ex been expecting this as well. And no doubt the questions that went through their mind was how their young Nick would ever live a normal life. How could he ever become uh, anything with such a massive disability of not having his arms and his legs. But little did they know. That that helplessness, that very trait of not having arms and legs would, would inspire him and motivate him uh, to become a very great individual who motivates people about their own disadvantages in their walks of life as well. As a matter of fact, this man at his age probably, he probably accomplished more than what most have accomplished in their lifetime at his age right now. And he's still yet a very young man. He had his first speaking engagement whenever he was 19 years old. He has traveled around the world sharing his story with millions of people to all types of various groups of people uh, from church congregations to youth, teenagers, businessmen and women, entrepreneurs, and the list goes on and on. And he has also told his story, been interviewed on television as well uh, concerning what happened for him and what he does. And he oftentimes says this. He says, if God can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet, then certainly he will use any willing heart. And so, amen. So I, I wanted to bring this morning, I got a little video of Nick. I wanted to bring something that's today, our generation, very practical, very real. But I think we, we, can, we can learn, folks, from all God has all types of different things in our lives that we can learn from. He tells us in Proverbs that even those nature things, you know, animals that we, so there, 
if, if it's here today in our lives, you, we need to just pull it in close because God might have a message or a lesson in it. And so I just have a video clip of him that's a real-life story of someone taking their disadvantage, leveraging that, if you will, compensating, amen, becoming something because that happens in a physical world, and it can happen in our own physical world within the life of the church as well. Just turn your attention toward the screen for a moment. I wasn't ready. I have no arms in my legs, but I'm very thankful that I have a little chicken drumstick here. People freak out when they see me for the first time. It's so cool. I was at a water slide um, all by myself. Everyone obviously at the bottom of the slide is looking up and waiting for other people to come down. And here I come and they're freaking out. They're like, you know, like this. And I was so tempted to look at myself and go, what happened? You know. And there were times where I sort of looked at my life and thinking, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And you keep on concentrating on the things that you wish you had or the things that you wish you didn't have. And you sort of forget what you do have. And there's no point, I believe, in my life where I wish I had arms, legs, I wish I had arms, legs, I wish I had arms, legs, because wishing won't help. But what I've seen in life are just a couple key principles. And the first thing that I've seen is to be thankful. It's hard to be thankful, man. I tell you, when I was eight years old, I, I sort of summed up my life and thought, I'm never going to get married. I'm, you know, I'm not going to have a job. I'm not going to have a life of purpose. What kind of a husband am I going to be if I can't even hold my wife's hand? It's a lie to think that you're not good enough. It's a lie to think that you're not worth anything. I can't feel my hands. <laughs> I love life. You know, so many people come and say, how come you smile so much? And I'm like, well, it's, it's, it's a long story. <laughs> but it's very simple at the same time. You see, it's very hard to smile sometimes in life. There are things that happen that you don't know and you don't understand and you don't know if you're going to get through it. You know, you go through your storms in life and you don't know how long this storm is going to be. And today I want to share with you some principles that I've learned in my life that you can use in yours. Being patient is beautiful. I tell you, it's the hardest thing. But I realize I may not have hands to hold my wife's hand. But when the time comes, I'll be able to hold her heart. I don't need hands to hold her heart. You know, it is scary to know how many girls have eating disorders. It is scary to know how many people are just angry at life because of their situation at home and angry at others. It's scary to know how many people actually feel like they're worth nothing. Every single girl right here, right now, I want you to know that you are you are gorgeous just the way you are. And you boys, you're the man. <laughs> On this DVD, I share my experiences in life of how I've overcome challenges and seen a new, fresh perspective in life. 
to be thankful, to dream big, and to never give up. I speak to children, youth, and adults about key issues and principles that I've applied in my life that has given me the strength to conquer all that comes before me. Now, I understand that might be an extreme example, but there are things in our own lives that we perceive just as extreme. We perceive just as extreme as though it's a hindrance or it's something that's preventing us or that if this was altered about me or changed about me, then I would be able to be this for my family or this for the church or this for that or the other. But the reality of the matter is this, is that we, we it, some of those things that we count as disadvantages for this young man right here, we can compensate for. And our destiny might be hidden in even some of our past events, some of our past history. Uh, often some of those hidden things we can find uh, in our past are things that's helped us become who we are. I don't know. I believe I said that last week, that some of those things of our past, even your pre-Jesus days. You have some pre-Jesus days in your life that you say, no, that, that because now I have a relationship with the Lord, some of those pre-Jesus days is such a drawback upon who I can be for the Lord now. But the reality of the, the matter is, it's some of those pre-Jesus days that may be exactly what's needed for you to become what God wants you to be for the man. How, yes. How many times have you heard us say, and I know sometimes it is cliche, but it's not meant to be. There's people sitting in this room that are going to reach people that pastor will never reach. Largely because your pre-Jesus days are different than mine. And what you're crediting as a disadvantage, God says, I can really use that as, a as an advantage on this side of Calvary for you, for other people, where others next to you cannot. Amen. Amen. The Bible says this, and I, I believe I, I may have spoken this last week, uh, 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, but that's okay. Amen. The Bible says, he said unto me, uh, speaking unto Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul going to the Lord with his thorn in the flesh. Three times he had done this. God says, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, he says, in persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, he says, then am I strong. Because he said, God said, he can use what I perceive as my weakness. God says, I can use that. So David, back to our man David, David's greatest advantage for his life, some of his greatest advantages were a result of his perceived disadvantages. All right? Without some of those disadvantages, I don't know if he would fulfill the exact same destiny that he fulfilled because here is the fact of the matter, folks. Every past experience prepares us for some future opportunity. Mm-hmm. And our mind is like, yeah, I came to know the Lord. 
I repented of my sins. I was baptized in Jesus' name. And I understand that God saved me and God redeemed me. And, and that's fine and great. And after redemption, so we're redeemed by God, yet we still sometimes hold our self hostage by those past experiences again. But I want to share with you this morning that our God is so powerful and so strong and mighty and capable that not only can he redeem you, but he can redeem past experiences. He, not just the good ones, but even some of the negative ones. Because he, by doing that, he, through that, he may have cultivated some character. He may have developed some gift. There may be some lesson that was taught in your life in that moment that you now cannot separate from yourself that can be used then for the future or for other people in your life. And so you've not failed. You've not failed of all. Uh, really, it's just according to how you use those things to better your future. Amen. And not to disregard them. Look what the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 33. Trying to keep track here of time this morning. The Bible says, and Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear and took a, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Seeing I have defiled the armies of the living God, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivereth me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Now, granted, David, out of his family, is the one that's said over here to dad's pasture to watch the sheep. He had a lot of other brothers, but he was set over there. And if you remember, whenever Samuel came to anoint one of the boys to be king. Now, this is this is man should touch a person's heart. Jesse evidently didn't have the regard for David as much as he even did the rest of his sons because Samuel wanted everybody there. And he left David out to the pasture watching the sheep whenever Samuel came and Samuel's going through the line Eliab no it's not him God's saying no it's not him and Samuel finally asked is this all the boys and he's like well I do have another boy date his own father his own father didn't even have the confidence in him and I, folks I know this has been different for the past two weeks but I believe there's people sitting here today that are dealing even with the estimations of what their parents had in them or didn't have in them. And they're carrying that into their life with God. And they're thinking that they can't be anything for God because their mom and dad never thought they could be anything. And so they just carried that on into the Christian life. And not just with God, but then they perceive everybody else's thoughts and opinions of them. Or what they think is of them. The same way because mom and dad never thought, so that person probably thinks I can't. Although nothing's never been verbalized right here in our minds. It takes place. Amen. And so here's David. Lion and bear, that took place on the backs. What could have been a disadvantage. None of the other boys had to be out here. Dad, why send me? Yet while he's out there, he fought a lion. He fought a bear. He honed his skills with a slingshot and a stone. Out there on the pasture, folks, the majority of the psalms and songs that David wrote, it's during that time frame of his life 
when he was in a position that he could have said was a disadvantage. Yet, yeah, yet we go there when we're down and discouraged where? You don't go to Leviticus, do you? Huh? You don't go to the book of Revelation. You open your Bible to the book of Psalms and read what someone wrote whenever he could have said this was the most disadvantaged place I could have been in. Yet look what spawned from that then for you and I today. He compensated. He compensated. Got real good at the harp out there. And if you'll notice, whenever David came, the cream, if you will, to the top, you know the reason why Saul invited David into his household, into his family? It was for his warfare skills, which, by the way, wasn't a hand-in-hand combat type like other men, but a shepherd with his sling and his stone. The very thing that was a disadvantage is what someone even gravitated toward. Amen. Even whenever he needed somebody to swoo away the evil spirits that had come from the Lord, the Bible says he needed to find someone. What did he find? He found David, someone that honed those skills in what could have been perceived a very disadvantaged spot. And to sing those songs, he said, that's what I need here in my kingdom. Amen. Someone say amen. Amen. And so some of the things that he could have counted as a disadvantage, he used as an advantage in his life over Goliath to find his his way up in the ranks, even within uh, the army, amen, of of, of Saul. And so when we understand this, we, we look that, that, that God made us the way we are and has taken us through circumstance situations with reason and purpose to try to get us to where he wants us to be. Amen. To try to get us to where he wants us to be. The fact of the matter is this, and it wasn't that long ago, um, uh, I was talking to a pastor. This is a pastor, mind you, underlying pastor. He, he was talking to me. He had, he had taken a flight. He had taken a flight, and he says, usually whenever I fly, I always try to find, I try to get, whenever I make my arrangements, get a window seat and make sure, if, I, if it's available in the plane, to make sure it's like the only seat by the window seat so that nobody else sits by me. Because he said, the last thing I want to do is sit down in the seat, someone look over and start telling me a life story or want my life story. This is a pastor. Are you listening to me? This is a pastor. He says, I tell you what. He says, I know we hear the stories of, you know, uh, brother such and such who's pastor of such and such church. They sit down on an airplane. Someone starts talking to them. They give them a 30-minute Bible study while they're on the plane on their flight. When they get done, you know, they baptize them in the fountain at the airport. He said, that's never going to happen in my life. That's never going to happen in my life. You know what, Brother James? He's grown, he's grown okay with that fact. Now you think, well, my God, he's a pastor. He should be. You know what, though? He is who he is. But he is, no doubt, I guarantee you, I know this man very well. He's leveraged that, that, that side of him that may seem a disadvantage, and he'll, he'll shut himself away with God. He can shut himself away with God and find a place of prayer with God and God bring revelation of the Scripture, unlike other people that might be baptizing somebody in a fountain at an airport. You just got to get that you're comfortable with how God made you and operate in that position and in that place. And just because you're not baptizing somebody in the fountain, that's not to say this man of God from a revelation of the word that he shares doesn't spark something in the heart of his soul to want to get baptized. So you understand what I'm conveying to here today. Whenever we, whenever we worked with Brother Boyd, Brother Boyd was more of a... Uh, extrovert or introvert type person he liked uh he preached yeah he could preach in a pulpit just fine no problem be around people but if he had his dreathers to it he would preach and go straight to his office honestly and some people that are not made like that are saying what in the world 
But he didn't. He made himself be out among the people. Yet he is a very, very knowledgeable man, has a lot of wisdom, and he's a great handler of the word of the Lord. But you just kind of compensate for those things. Sister McGee you was just telling me last night she had met uh, Sister, Sister uh, Dorney Nybert's mom. They, Sister Nybert and her uh, husband, pastor in Ohio, we preached for them whenever we evangelized. They were starting a home missions church. And she just met Sister Nybert's mom. And uh, her mom asked my wife, said, have you always been in church? And, and she's like, yeah. And Don kind of just shared you know, a little bit and then asked her, well, have you? And she said no. And she started to tell her background that she had been a witch. She had been a witch. Seances, the whole nine yards, tarot cards, and the, every bit of it. She had been a witch. And now she functions, right, with the halfway houses and jails and prisons, right? And they're reaching. Yeah, with her daughter's church helping out in those areas. Now, a perceived disadvantage, <laughs> a perceived disadvantage. I used to be a witch. What can I do for the kingdom of God? And yet now she's working these halfway houses and prisons and jails helping people that are similar or close to the same place where she was. Let me say this. And she can do a lot for the kingdom of God because a person that is yielding enough to open themselves to the negative side of the spiritual world. Are you listening to me? If you're sensitive enough to allow the spiritual world to invent, come into your life on the negative side, if you can just turn a switch where you can just be as spiritual to allow the positive spiritual world to come in. If she was able, yes. Come on. Absolutely. that's a, this is kind of a side note. That's the reason why people that's used in like gifts of prophecy, word of wisdom, and the gifts of the spirit very intimately need to be very careful. Because if they ever lose out with God, they have the ability of entering to the same depth and degree on the negative side. But vice versa as well, because they're real sensitive to the spirit world of whichever it may be. So David, when we look at David, when he won in the valley of Elah with Goliath, the battle really wasn't won there in the valley. It was won while he was still yet in the pasture, in that disadvantaged place. I know it's all played out in the valley, but the skills, what was needful and necessary, was honed back in the years that he had spent in the pasture honing his skill of his slingshot and his stones. And the thing is, since David, he submitted to that. Even after he was anointed to be king, where did he go? Back to that place. He submitted to that preparation, and God was able to use him mightily of God, mightily of God. And here is, here is something perhaps very important. If we're not careful will miss what God is trying to teach and do in this season of our life because we're too focused on trying to get to our next season. Does that make sense? We, we can be so focused on the next season and how this is going to be grander and this is going to be better and, and always focused on the next step that we miss out on what God is trying to show us in this step. That can happen on an individual level. That can happen on a church. On a church level. Always look. And I want God to do grander things. Absolutely. For the church, yes. But if I'm always living for 
that moment and not taking in what he's trying to teach me in this moment. Trying to teach us in this moment. Then, then I, I might really be, really be missing it. There's, we, what happens is we get destination disease. Destination disease. Amen. And sometimes we're focusing all of our energies for trying to get there than investing them in where we are. Amen. Someone say amen. So the gist of the matter is this. David was in a place where at the moment he was learning how to follow more than he was how to lead. And in the moment he was learning how to deal perhaps with, and there's times that we need to learn how to deal with failure more than how we learn how to deal with success and, and learn even how to submit to authority before we learn how to exercise authority. So don't miss the moment. Brother McGee, if, if this was different, though, about my life, if this had been different about my life, this is where I would be. This is what I, if, if that circumstance never happened or if that one did happen, this is what would have happened. This is what would take place. And so we live our life then we, about if circumstances were just, you know, if the planets got in alignment just right and that happened or this happened, then it would just be what, no, no. In reality, folks, it's about becoming what God wants us to be in him, about becoming who you are. Becoming the right person about who you are. And so here's the fact of the matter. Many times when God has opened up opportunities for our life, or he has a destiny that he wants us to get to, say it's a big opportunity, sometimes it is a long process to get to the big opportunity. Oh, look at Joseph, second in command to Pharaoh. Now that, folks, is, I mean, that is a high water mark. Anybody would kill, you know, to be second in command to Pharaoh. Man, that's a big thing. It is. But it also was preceded by a 13-year process from slavery to Potiphar's house to prison. You understand what I'm saying? It was a long process that was preparing him for the big opportunity. So please never think about, you know, we're saying we, we need to have big thinking. That's great. Let's have big thinking. But don't have big thinking without long process. Don't have big thinking without long process because many times that is the way it works. Philippians chapter number 1 and verse number 6, the Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Until the day of Jesus Christ. Until he that has begun, he's going to perform it. In other words, we will always be in process. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to have the storm clouds roll in. But we will always be in some type of... A process. Amen. If you remember, remember last week, uh, uh, Michelangelo's David? I mean, years, you know, he's chiseling away at that. And God, upon the David of Scripture, years, you know, he's chiseling away at that. But in doing so, it was bringing about a type of man, a spiritual giant that could deal with the giant of the Philistines in that moment 
and in that time. Here's what the scripture says in Ephesians 3 and verse 16. Moving on. Amen. I just got a little bit of time. That he would grant unto you. This is, this is Paul. He's praying for the saints at the, the Ephesian church at Ephesus. He says that he, speaking of God, would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. God would grant all these things to you. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye, that, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. Paul's saying, Todd is doing some things here. He says, I wish and I'd hope that you could really just comprehend what God's up to with you. Oh, it's sometimes so much easier to see what God is doing in someone else's life. Huh? We can even look at their circumstances, things that have happened. I tell you, this is going on, but this is what that's doing for that person. Huh? We analyze it. Look, we can tell what God. But Paul says, listen, I wish you could comprehend the, the height and the width and breadth about what God's doing for you, what God's doing in you. Me, yeah, you, I wish you could understand. And he goes on to say, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end he says I wish you could comprehend it because if you could just begin to comprehend it he would even exceed what you're comprehending I wish you could understand what God's doing in you and through you because if you ever get a glimpse of it, he's going to even raise the bar beyond that because he's going to do exceeding above what you're able to ask or think. Somebody needs to raise the bar this morning in their own personal life. Of their, and I'm not talking about being arrogant. I'm not talking about being e e egotistic. I'm talking about in a healthy way. You need to raise the bar of who you are in Christ Jesus. Who you are in God. And whenever you do that, he says, man, I'm going above even what you're thinking right now. I'm going above. Someone say amen. So I'm going above all of those things. The mentality that sometimes takes place, and it's biblical. And we've referenced it. I want to reference it again. I actually just referenced this past week with, with a couple, but I want to reference it again. Sometimes we project how we feel about ourselves on other people. That that's how they feel about us. When the spies went into the land of Canaan to spy it out, see if they can take the land, going to bring back some of the fruit, right? Going to see how the cities are, how the people are that dwell there. They come out of the land, of course, the ten with a report that, yes, it's a good land. All these other, they had the same report as the two. The difference was in this. The ten said, we were as grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in theirs. The gist of the matter is this. Since we thought ourselves to be that, I know that's what they are thinking. Since we perceive ourselves as incapable, I know that they're probably saying we are incapable and so this happens in life 
We project how we feel about ourselves as being then what other people are probably thinking about us. Amen? Because if I'm not comfortable with Paul McGee, if I'm not, if I'm not confident about Paul McGee, I'll believe every one around me doesn't care about me either. I'm being honest. Can I just really be honest? Man, years, listen, years, six years of evangelizing, almost preaching every night. Let me tell you, folks, it's, uh, it's not as easy as what it just appears to be when they come by. And there were times I didn't always go into the pulpit with the level of confidence in what I know God was going to have to say. I know that might sound bad, but this is just part of transparency. I didn't feel as confident in what I had sometimes and approach the pulpit. And I would leave that night, preach my guts out, you know, wringing out my socks, got water lines on my shoes, you know, whatever. And whatever happened in the service, hand claps or not, altar fill or not, whatever the outcome may be, I could go back to our trailer. And my wife sometimes would come there later because I was trying to get there quick. I go there to my trailer, lights are off, I'm sitting in my chair, and she says, what's wrong? I said, I don't know, but this chicken laid an egg. Seriously. Now, the fact of the matter, now she go through, she, did you pray about it? Yeah. Did you study? Yeah. Did you do anything different than what you normally do? No. She says, you know what? She says, I think you're just thinking that that's the way it was. She says, that's not the way it really was. The fact of the matter was this. I entered that place with a little bit of less confidence, and so I interpreted what happened in that place just to match how I was thinking about it myself. Amen. Huh? Been there and done that. Thank you. You just made me feel really good here right now because I felt I was at a meeting. I say, my name is Paul McGee, and I had a problem with confidence at one time in my life. Amen. <laughs> and so what happens, then what begins as an internal struggle is shifted as a problem that we have then with other people in our life. Amen. So it happens. I really need to close. Stand with me here tonight or this morning. See, I got days and nights mixed up now. Just get me all the whack here. So what I want you to go home with for today is this. It's okay to be who you are. And even things of your past, even recent past, that you might discount as unusable. Impossible to be used in any leverage for a benefit now. That God not only has the ability to redeem you, he can redeem your circumstances. He can redeem some past histories in your life. And all of that's making you to be who you are. And that can be of some great benefit in the here and now today, not only for you and your family, but for this church and other people that's going to come to know the Lord through you, through what you thought was something ugly, a bad scar that we don't want to talk about. That's the reason why a lot of times you hear me, I tell people, you know, it's okay to talk about your past. Because you talking about where you was might help somebody because that might be where they're at. And to understand that this person that they're looking at, that to them looks like a 57 model Christian. They've been in this thing for years. They, they was probably born with a Bible in their hand. 
whenever you begin to tell your story, you start helping them with their own reflection of themselves. If God can do that for them, God can do that for me. So rise up, David. Don't begrudge your time in the pasture. Amen. Because it won't be long. You'll be walking in the palace. With the old song that God could use a shepherd boy. Who who thought that he would become a king? Part of that king makeup, though, was that spot, that time. Disadvantages. But David said, I'm compensating. I'm going to write poetry out here. I'm going to get my harp down here. I don't know how many days. Maybe he just stood out there with a sling trying to hit a certain knot on the tree, you know. Passing time, we you got all these sheep out here. But in the process of doing so, he was honing some of the very skills that God said, I'm going to lift that up out of the pasture and use it for my kingdom. God has some of those same skills in some of y'all's lives. Some of those same skills in y'all's lives. That, that he says, I'm going to lift that up out of your life. I'm going to use it for my kingdom and for my glory, for my purpose. Can we just bow our heads in this place? I feel the Holy Ghost. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.